0: Do you want to multiply disciples of Jesus, take cities for God, ignite mighty prayer movements and spark a third great awakening in the United States? You have come to the right place. If you long to see people love Jesus passionately, live in purity and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what we do. My goal is to encourage and invest in the move of God happening in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. This is the Five State Revival Podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. We are going to have three main segments in today's episode. In segment one, I am going to encourage you by telling you about a significant God movement that is happening in our region right now. In segment two, I'm going to talk about how to avoid burnout in ministry by making it a priority to delight in God himself. Finally, in segment three, I'm going to share three practical things you can do to live in consistent victory over sexual sexual immorality. Let's go ahead and get into segment number one. Last weekend, I had the privilege of attending the One Mission Conference in Sioux Falls, South Dakota that was put on by a ministry called Collision. And I was one of the speakers at the conference, but really I was there as a hungry learner. I was so encouraged by what I saw happening in that conference. I believe that this ministry Collision, I was just pondering this today as I spent time with the Lord this morning, and um, I was pondering over what God is doing in that ministry. This ministry collision—it's a—it's a youth ministry in the city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They have 130 student-led discipleship groups that are meeting like r- right now, just in the city of Sioux Falls. Their goal is to have over 400 discipleship groups by the end of the year so most of those 130 groups that they currently have have started within just the past year or two by the end of the year the goal is to have 400 um i I listened as different student leaders from the different schools who'd be leading groups they actually each school that the collision ministry is in has a student leadership team and each student leadership team sets goals for the number of groups they want to have by the end of that school year. So, the whole ministry, Collision Ministry, and all of the schools, they want to have over 400 groups by the end of this year. Right now, again, they have 130 uh, groups. but one of the schools that I listened to, uh, one of the student leaders was sharing and he says, yeah, right now we have, or she said, we have around 15, I think maybe 20, I can't remember the exact number. It was 15 or 20 groups right now meeting in that one school and their goal is to have 60 discipleship groups by the end of the school year. And then another school, there was a, a student leader and he said right now his school, the ministry's been going there a little bit longer. He says right now they have around 60 Discipleship groups meeting in that one school. Their goal is to have, I can't remember the exact number, it was like 200 or 300, something like that, different groups in that one school by the end of the school year. And I am just seeing the momentum of what God is doing. These groups, as they talk about what's happening in these discipleship groups, these aren't just like a bunch of youth getting together and playing games. I mean, they—they, they, this is discipleship. They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the gospel. They're opening up the Bible, reading it, discussing it, and applying it to their lives. They're setting goals. They're holding each other accountable to put the word into practice. Students are getting saved. They're encountering the Holy Spirit. Um, They're practicing spiritual gifts. I've actually attended one of these groups several times, and they were practicing spiritual gifts and praying for healing, and and people were getting healed in the group as they prayed for each other. They're prophesying over one another. I mean, this is is phenomenal, what God is doing in these groups. And as I just contemplated this this morning before the Lord, what I saw this weekend, I just really felt like... um, In my heart, I thought, man, you know, so many of us, we've been praying for revival. We've been expecting a million soul harvest in our region. And uh, we've been working even to see God movements like this, you know, disciple-making movements take off in our region. And a, a number of people have been laboring diligently, including myself, toward this end for a while now. I've been going after this for about three to four years myself. But, you know, this ministry collision is the first one that I'm aware of. Now, there's many wonderful ministries and churches doing awesome things for the Lord uh, in in many different ways throughout our five-state region. But this is the, the first ministry that I've seen that's actually seen the fruit produced of movements that are um disciple making movements church planning movements where disciples who make disciples who make disciples where they really see significant multiplication kicking in i am so excited about it and i just as i thought about it this morning i thought you know what this is like the first fruits of what we've been believing god to do in our region and i'm so encouraged because i think of um Israel and the Old Testament how God told them all these years you're going to go into this promised land that I'm going to give you and at one point they sent 12 spies into the land to look at it God said it's a fruitful land it's a good land and they while they're in the land they actually take a sample of the abundant fruit that was in the land and they brought it back to show the rest of israel they said look here's the fruit from the land it's really true what god said it's amazing this land is incredible and um i think when i look at the fruit of this ministry and collision seeing this multiplication and movements happening there I see that as like a foretaste, uh, the initial first fruits of what God's going to do much more of in our five-state region. You know, there uh, at this conference, not only did I see what God was doing through that ministry, but I was actually amazed by the unity I saw among churches. There were pastors at that conference who were participating from many different churches in the area, from many different denominations, and they were participating in this unity and learning from each other in humility. It was so precious to see and to be a part of. There were multiple pastors there from small size, medium size, even large size churches That are catching the vision for multiplication and looking to empower the people in their churches to go out and make disciples and really see uh movements take off and that multiplication grace start happening in our region i i this is what i feel and i'll just i'll just leave you with this in this segment i foresee the birthing of new disciple making movements and an explosion i just want to highlight that word an explosion i believe we're going to see an explosion of new discipleship groups happening in sioux falls south dakota and really around the region happen over the next one to two years Um, that's not a prophecy i'm not saying the lord told me that it's just what i see in in the first fruits that's already happening with collision in the number of pastors and leaders who are already beginning to implement these the disciple making movement principles and their churches i really do believe that in the next year or two we're going to see with our own eyes uh, the multiplication of disciple-making movements in our five-state region. I'm telling you, I believe this. Acceleration of the harvest has already begun in our region. It's time to get on board and ride this wave of the Holy Spirit together. Amen. In segment number three, to today, uh, I want to talk about how to avoid ministry burnout, and I just want to say this real quick before I continue with that subject. If you hear background noise going on, it's because there's construction going on just a few houses down from where I'm at right now. But I'm recording anyway, so I hope you can hear this podcast clear and the background noise isn't too bad for you. So in this segment, again, I'm going to talk about how to avoid burnout in ministry, and I just want to start by making this statement to God we are lovers first and workers second so we are sons and daughters that he loves and he cares about our well-being first and foremost he cares about us in our well-being and we're workers laborers partners in ministry with him that's second but our primary identity is as lovers or sons of daughters of god and uh, i i want you know i've heard this statement before and i believe this with all my heart to be true lovers get more work done than workers do if we are lovers of god overflowing with passion and energized in union with the holy spirit um we will be much more effective in our labor with the lord if we're doing it out of that place of intimate communion with the holy spirit then we will, if we're dry on the inside, we're not really delighting in the Lord very much in our personal life, but we're just working and laboring and trying to strategize and do ministry in our own strength. Uh, we'll have a lot less fruit than if we abide in him, as J- Jesus said in John chapter 15. I remember Mike Bickle, he's uh, the leader of the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. I remember one time he told a story about um, he was uh, his brother, had broke his neck in a high school football game and was uh in spent a lot of time doing rehab in hospitals and of course Mike Bickle would be there in the rehab like day after day after day after day month after month taking care of his brother and helping his brother as he went through the rehab and in that time Mike Mike Bickle tells a story that a, he would watch the as the nurses they would come in they had their checklist of all the exercises and the things they needed to do to take care of their patients. And they would kind of go through the checklist and, until they got everything checked off. And then they'd go home for the day. He says, but every once in a while, he was there long enough. I think it was for a couple years probably. That every once in a while, he he saw one of the nurses would actually fall in love with with one of the patients, and he says there was such a transformation he observed in the way they cared for the patient when they became a lover and not just a worker. And all of a sudden, they didn't even need the checklist anymore. They knew exactly what to do, and they would go above and beyond the call of duty to care for the person because they were doing it now out of love, not just out of this is my job. And I believe it's an excellent illustration of um, how it is in the kingdom when we are in that place of of loving God with all of our hearts and abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, um, we will be so much more fruitful in the ministry that we do, and we won't burn out. There's a story in Luke chapter 10. It's a famous story that I want to read to you and just uh, share with you from. It says in Luke 10, starting in verse 38, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I remember early in ministry many years ago, you know I was just I was working hard, I was laboring and I was just really stressed out and I had several different situations that were happening in the ministry that I didn't know what to do about I didn't know how to fix these problems or resolve the situations. So I came to the Lord in anxiety, in prayer. And I'm like, God, help me with this, help me with this, help me with this. And I was so uh, stressed out over it. And I remember, um, uh, instead of even answering all my questions and giving me the answers that I, I felt like I needed to know what to do in the work of the ministry, he didn't even address those questions. Instead, I just felt his presence as he drew near to me. And I just felt the love of God as he just loved on me and he refreshed me with his presence. And then he brought this story to mind. And, and, you know, at the end of that prayer time with the Lord, he never gave me any of the answers that I came seeking him for. But actually just refreshing me in his love, I walked away and I'm like, you know what? God's got this thing. I was, all the anxiety left. I was like, God, you're so in control. You've got this. Why am I worried? Why am I upset about all the details of this stuff? You got this. You're in control. You're building your church. I know that you're going to take care of this. I know you'll give me the wisdom I need when I need it. And I just, I went away joyful and happy in the Lord. And I remember at the end of that time, I was feeling so refreshed. And I remembered this story about Mary and Martha. And he says, Jeff, you know, one thing is needed. And uh, as you labor, he said, the one thing is needed, coming and sitting at my feet, listening to my words, gazing upon the beauty of the Lord, delighting myself in God himself. Um, he says, this is what's needed. And, he, and this, he made a promise to me that that to this day, it means so much to me. He says, Jeff, I promise you, it will never be taken away from you. No matter how busy you get, No matter how many important things it seems like you're doing for me, he says, I always give you permission to stop what you're doing, to come before me, and to be refreshed in my presence. And um, that promise means so much to me. That's what he said to Martha. He says, I'm not going to take this privilege away from Mary. You have this privilege too if you'll just take a break. And minister to me and sit at my feet, get refreshed. You can enjoy what she's enjoying. And I think one of the keys to avoiding ministry burnout is learning how to delight ourselves in God. You know, just, I had a busy week last week. I had a lot of things I was doing, great stuff, good ministry stuff. It was an awesome week. But I remember yesterday, I was like, okay, I just, I felt the need. Actually, two days ago, as I was, uh, I just felt the need in my spirit like I've just been thinking about ministry and revival and strategies and praying and fasting for revival. And I was just kind of feeling like, you know, I'm kind of starting to feel a little tired and weary on the inside. And I just felt the Lord drawing me saying, you know what, take a day. Don't think about ministry. Don't think about movements. Don't think about strategies. Don't think about revival all day long. Just refuse to think about it, and just refresh yourself, delight yourself in me, gaze upon the beauty of the Lord all day long. I give you permission to do it. And I just took the day off. I went fishing. And even as I drove to the lake, I was going to go fishing. I didn't even care about catching fish. I was just trying to get away alone with God. As I drove there, the Holy Spirit Refreshed me. He drew near to me. It was like he was so eager just to come and be with me. And he just showered love upon me. I felt rejuvenated in my spirit. Within a matter of hours, I was like, man, I feel completely reinvigorated, completely refreshed, filled with passion again. And I am ready to charge back in and to the work of the ministry and do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I was just so refreshed. And that happened in just a few hours. You know, I think that people get burnt out in ministry, one, because they don't take time to refresh their soul in God. They're just too busy and they just say, I can't do it. Or even when they do try to spend time in the word of prayer, they're looking for ministry strategies or trying to get the next teaching that they have to give. You know, I say just learn how to set all that aside and just read the Bible to enjoy God, not to get a strategy, just to enjoy God him and fellowship with the holy spirit learn how to pray not just for a ministry breakthrough or for somebody to get saved but how to pray and worship just to be with and enjoy god and just ask him What are you feeling right now, Holy Spirit? How do you feel about me right now? And just refresh your soul in God. He's the most affirming, delightful, beautiful, exhilarating, wonderful person that you'll ever meet in your entire life. But I think one of the other reasons that people get burnt out in ministry is because they don't know how to rest in a way that reinvigorates their soul. And so, um, you know, they may say, I'm going to take a day off. And and I've had to learn this over the years. You know, I've I've learned that there's certain days I can take a day off. But for me, I'll just, I'm not putting this on you, but I'm just telling you for me, the way I found that I'm wired. If I just spend my day watching movies or watching television or um, following the news or watching sports or eating junk food, you know, physically, I may get a little bit of rest, but it doesn't reinvigorate my soul with the life of God. It really doesn't. And so I've learned over the years that's not the best way for me to get refreshed. But if I can just do things like going fishing, going on a walk, these are things that I do, spending quality time enjoying my family, playing and having a good time with them, little things like that actually restore and even mowing the lawn, it reinvigorates my soul. I can fellowship with the Spirit while I'm doing it. So I want to encourage you to gaze at the beauty of jesus delight yourself in him not just praying for revival and ministry strategies you know there's this phrase about god it talks about jesus being the lover of my soul just think about that it means so much to me that jesus loves my soul he cares about my emotional and my physical health. I'm not just a slave to him. I'm not just a worker that helps him accomplish his goals. I'm a son that he delights in and he wants fellowship in relationship with. And he invites me at any time I can set aside the work of the ministry and just enjoy him as the lover of my soul, as my close and wonderful and caring father. And so just uh recently even you know at the beginning of this past summer i was so energized about seeing revival and i I had so many things on my plate that i was excited about and i was energized i wasn't worn out at all i was ready to take the hill i'm ready to run with the lord in ministry i'm so excited i feel so much faith about what he's doing and what he wants me to do in the midst of it and i remember to my surprise he just kind of said one morning in prayer he says jeff i want to encourage you to take this season And um, enjoy me and enjoy your family. And there was a season where he's like, take an extra day off each week to just delight yourself, to enjoy me and enjoy your family. And I thought, God, I'm like, I don't even feel tired. But it means, he says, and he told me, he says, you're going to need this to refresh yourself for the coming season of accelerated harvest. And he says, I want you. I care about your soul. You're not just a worker to me. You're not expendable where I just get out of you what I can get out of you and then throw you aside and grab the next laborer when you burn out. He says, no, I, I love you. You're my son. I want you to delight yourself. I want in me. I want you to be healthy. I care about your relationships with your family. Enjoy your family. And it means so much to me that he loves me like this. And I want to encourage you. He loves you like this. He's the lover of your soul. So I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and show us the beauty of the Lord Jesus Help us to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Renew our first love in Jesus' name, amen. In the last podcast, I talked about the dangers of sexual immorality and our urgent need to repent of the spirit of immorality. In fact the beginning of victory is sincere repentance where we resolve in our hearts God I will do whatever it takes to live in purity and to never engage in immoral activity even once from this point forward I set my heart to live in absolute purity so we talked about that last time that's the beginning of victory so today I want to build upon that foundation and I want to share with you three practical tips for walking that commitment to live in sexual purity, for how to walk that out on a daily basis. So the first tip I want to share is this, is we need to maintain a victorious mindset. Of course, all these tips I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing from practical experience. These are things that the Holy Spirit has taught me over the years that have helped me to live in sexual purity on a consistent basis, for which I give all praise and glory to God. So there's three components I think about when I think about having a victorious mindset. The first is that I am at war with immorality. There, I am absolutely, sexual immorality in all of its forms is my utter enemy. I never make peace treaties with sexual immorality. And so that mindset is part of having a victorious mindset. But the second component is that uh, God delights in me and is proud of me as I wage war and fight against sexual immorality and lust in my life. This is so important is that we know that even as we're fighting against immorality though we may stumble and fall and and, I, and and when I do I'm like no god that's not okay with me I hate that I gave into that thought for and I and I and I am I gave into that ungodly imagination for a little while or all I, right or, or I acted on that ungodly thought god would you forgive me I repent I'm at war against this thing the enemy wants to come in our hearts are sincere We really are waging war. We stumble in our weakness. God is looking at us when we repent and he's delighting in us. He's not looking at us when we fall and just saying, I'm so disappointed in you. You'll never get it right. How long do I have to put up with you? That's not at all what God's saying. He's looking at us as we sincerely wage war against immorality. Though we may stumble, we repent and we get back up. And he says, you can do it. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You're going to make it. I'm going to help you. You keep giving your best and I'll come in and take care of what you can't do on your own. I'm going to help you. You're going to be victorious. And I'm so, he says to us, I'm so proud of you that you love me so much that you don't just give up and say, I just stuck with this for the rest of my life. You keep fighting against it. He's like, I love your heart. I love that you're going after absolute purity. Keep going. You're going to make it. So we have to believe that God delights in us and he's proud of us as we fight. Even if we stumble, even if we fall, we just get back up and we rejoice that God is helping us and we keep moving forward and he's proud of us as we do that and then the third component of a victorious mindset is i expect to win this is huge is i expect to win through christ i am a powerful overcomer in my war against sin i'm not a powerless victim and i think there's there's believers there's a lot of believers you know this is something that they've struggled with for years and years and years and they've actually Uh, The devil's planted a mindset in them where they just think, I'm stuck with this. This is who I am. I'm going to be a slave to this sin for the rest of my life. I'm always going to struggle with this. And I just want to expose that for what it is. It's a lie. It is a lie of the devil. The scriptures say this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That's in 2 Peter 1 verse 3. The truth is in Romans 6:11 it says likewise you also he's talking to believers consider yourselves To be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's telling us here, this is the way you need to think about yourself. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. You're not a powerless victim. You're not a slave to sin. Consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. And alive to God and the power of righteousness that's working in you through the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, I remember um, years ago, I... I, uh, you know, I, I had, of course, most of my life from my childhood, or not most of my life, but a good part of my, my teenage years, I should say, uh, from my childhood, I, I engaged in sexually immoral behavior and thinking regularly. I mean, this I did this a lot. And I remember I got saved. i I repented of course my sins were forgiven and i was seeking to walk in sexual purity and i was doing a good job i was got to a point where i was living in purity but one day i remember i was in a church service worshiping jesus we're singing songs to god and as my mind is on god and i'm worshiping him all of a sudden like out of the blue this random uh lustful thought popped into my mind And when the thought came into my mind, of course, I did the right thing. I rejected the thought. I didn't yield to it. I I was like, devil, I command you to go in Jesus' name. And I I set my mind on the Lord. But then I was frustrated. And I remember just thinking, um, when I was tempted, I remember thinking, well, I guess that this is the price I have to pay for all those bad seeds of sexual lust that I've sown in my past. I'll always just have to battle more temptation in that area than the average person because of the sins I've done in my past. And as I was thinking this, the Holy Spirit aggressively interrupted me and he said, that is wrong. I mean, it was bold. He was not happy. He says, that thinking is wrong. He says, that is not who you are. It is who you were you are a new creation in christ the old jeff that is prone to lust is dead the new jeff that is prone to purity is alive and well in christ jesus the spirit rebuked me because my expectation was to be oppressed with temptation for the rest of my life instead of to be victorious in christ jesus so the first key to living in sexual purity that i want to share with you is maintain a victorious mindset the second key Know that it is not a sin to be tempted. This is big. One of the biggest lies that Satan will tell you is that you have sinned just because you are being tempted with an ungodly thought. Then, because we already feel defeated, our resolve is weakened to resist acting out on that tempting thought. You know that the Bible says about Jesus that he he was tempted just like every other human being He was tempted with every sin you and I would be tempted with, including lust, yet he was without sin. It says that in Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. So we see there that it is not a sin to be tempted, it's a sin when we yield to the temptation and we act out the the tempting thought or we yield to the ungodly, lustful imagination, um, you know, you've, I've heard the illustration said before that, um, you know, a, the bird tries and come, tries to come and land on your head. You know, you can't you can't control whether that bird tries to land on your head, but you do have control over whether it gets to, to land there and stay there. So it may come and it may touch down on your head, but you swat it away. And that's a picture of the devil trying to bring a lustful, tempting thought your way. You know, when you're tempted with sexual sin it's not because you're evil it's because the devil is evil and unclean not you you're clean you're resisting it he's trying to tempt you he's knocking on the door of your imagination and saying hey let me in and, and I got this thought to share with you. And you say, no. You shut the door. You shoo that demon away. And you say, get away from me in Jesus' name. I'm not yielding to that thought. When it becomes sin is when we open the door and we entertain the ungodly thought. And we let the ungodly imagination or, or fantasy start playing out in our mind. And we start indulging in it and either mentally or we start indulging in it, even acting it out physically, whatever it would be. But it is not a sin to be tempted. I don't feel unclean when the devil attacks me with temptation. I resist it because I know I'm clean and pure and I belong to Christ Jesus and I have authority over the devil. The third key that I wanna share with you today for living in sexual purity is this. We have to be wise in what you feed your mind. So for example, One of the things I used to struggle with is fear. I mean, it was a major, major stronghold in my life for many, many years. I struggled with fear. Therefore, I've had to learn not to watch or listen to things that stir up fearful imaginations or emotions inside of me. In the same way, in the battle with lust or sexual immorality, you know, I guard my heart, I guard my eyes, I guard my ears. I don't watch any kind of movie, listen to any kind of show or radio podcast or music that energizes or stirs up lustful imaginations or thoughts in my mind. And here's the deal it's like, I have an enemy called the devil. You have an enemy called the devil. There's going to be times in this fallen world before Jesus comes, he's going to attack you at times with temptation. But here's the deal. I'm not going to, he's going to attack me and I'm going to resist it, but I'm not going to give him ammunition uh, who's trying to kill me. I'm not going to actually watch ungodly things and supply ammo to him to to use to attack me with temptation. If that makes sense, I hope that makes sense. I remember uh, years ago um, I was watching um, a movie. It was the the really old Batman movies. I can't even remember what they were made. They were really old. They were really cheesy. Um, and there was it was like you know where Batman hits the bad guy, and all of a sudden on the screen it says pow or wham or something like that. It was just really old. Really cheesy. I thought this is totally fine, you know, innocent to watch. But here's the thing as I was watching that movie, um, as I continued watching it, I started noticing subtly that I was having to fight off uh, uh, lustful thoughts about Catwoman as I was watching it because she was always dressed in this skin tight black outfit. And, you know, she'd come on and it was usually innocent, but I would have to keep fighting off lustful thoughts about her. And then I thought, why am I watching this? I was like, you know, why, I I was fighting off the thoughts, but I'm like, why am I watching this and putting myself in this position where I have to battle excessive temptation? Why not just turn it off and watch things that are clean and edifying? And so I did, you know, I turned off the movie uh, Catwoman and I am so guarded. About what I listen to and what I watch. You know, I don't watch movies that have sex scenes in them. I don't like movies. I don't even, I, I don't watch movies that have sexual innuendos in them or, or where people talk about sexual things in, in a wrong way. If it stirs up, you know, I don't even worry about the rating. I'm not talking about rated PG 13 or rated R or PG. Just pay attention to your spirit. If you're listening to something or watching something or They're hanging out with people who, when you're around them, you have to battle temptation in a heightened way. Stop hanging out with those people. Stop watching or listening to those shows. That would be what I'm talking about here. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Because what we feed our minds empowers us to either resist or give into temptation. So I just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would supernaturally renew and restore our minds in Jesus' name. Break the power of wrong thoughts and desires in Jesus' name. Remove shame and energize right thoughts in the name of Jesus. Heal dark memories. Amen. In the announcement segment today, I want to make you aware of a pastors and ministry leaders conference That happens twice every year at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. This conference is a hidden oasis and treasure in our region. I'm telling you, my wife and I have attended this conference diligently for the past eight years or so, maybe longer than that. And I'm telling you, we have found that there is always a wonderful presence of God that's there. There's inspiring messages. And one of the most important things that we love is lots of meaningful fellowship with wonderful ministry leaders from throughout the region. We Some of our best friends in our region... Um, that have encouraged us. We've developed wonderful, rich friendships with these people. We actually have met them by attending this conference and maintained the relationship throughout the years. So I want to encourage you to attend this. The next conference that they're having is later this month on September 24th through the 25th. You can find out more information about it by going to their website, which is holylifetabernacle.com. The conference is free, so if you are a pastor or a ministry leader, come to this year's conference and be refreshed. I hope to see you there. Again, thank you for listening today. If you have not already done so, please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast and leave a positive review on iTunes or SoundCloud, and then tell your friends about it and invite them to listen to it as well. Also, if you have any testimonies or questions, I would love to hear them. Please email them to me at five state revival at gmail.com that's the number five state revival at gmail.com and then check back in with us again for our next episode god bless you